I was able to focus on something and say, whoa, this is a real issue right here. Let me take a step back in my mind in, in the midst of this chaos, take a quick breath. Is there something else I can do right now besides yeah. the ultimate expression of consequence? And in this case, pulling a trigger. Yeah. And the answer every time was yes, there is. And it worked out. Wow. But you don't get that unless you have that mindfulness, right? Unless you are consciously aware of the fact that there is a space in between emotion and action and you need to find that space. Yeah. And that comes that comes through meditative practice. Hi everyone and welcome to the One Mind Meditation Podcast. My name is Morgan Dix and this is a show about meditation, mindfulness, and your health. And today I'm delighted to share with you my interview with Errol Dobler. Errol is an amazing guy. He is one of the most humble people I've had on the show considering his credentials. So Errol is the founder of Leader 193, which is a leadership consultancy. And Errol really brings his passion to leadership based on his experience as a Navy SEAL platoon commander. And also subsequently as an FBI special agent and SWAT operator. And Errol's diverse experience in leading combat operations, international terrorism and criminal investigations and business transactions, it really, he brings that to his work with his clients in, in a very unique and unparalleled way. It, pr it provides him with a totally distinct perspective on leadership. And he really believes that each person has the ability to lead and inspire. And I think that really comes through very powerfully in my interview with Errol today. And interestingly, Errol has discovered meditation through Wim Hof. And he practices a style of meditation called the Wim Hof Method. And we really explore that today. And, and Wim Hof is an extraordinary individual in his own right. And we talk more about that in the show. So I'm super excited for you to meet Errol and to listen to this interview. Errol provides amazing value. You're going to learn all about Wim Hof meditation. And before we start, a quick word from our sponsor, Health IQ. The One Mind Meditation Podcast is sponsored by Health IQ, an insurance company that helps health conscious people like you runners, cyclists, weightlifters, yogis, and vegetarians get lower rates on their life insurance. You can go to healthiq.com slash one mind to support our show and see if you qualify. So for example, did you know that physically active people have a 34% lower risk of all-cause mortality? a 56% lower risk of heart disease, and a 22% decrease in cancer mortality compared to people who remain inactive. So to see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com forward slash one mind, or mention the promo code one mind when you talk to a Health IQ agent. So now onto our show with Errol Dobler. Errol, welcome to the show. I am delighted to have you on here. 
Uh, Morgan, it's really my pleasure to be here. It's uh, it's always nice to be asked to do things like this, and it's especially nice to be uh, be with you. So you're welcome, and thank, thank you. you. Thank you, man. And and everyone, just so you know, I was fortunate enough to join Errol and his podcasting partner, Zach, for their leadership in tech podcast a, a, a month or two ago. And we had a really great conversation about meditation. Mm-hmm. And on that show, I learned that Errol practices something called Wim Hof meditation, which I've been interested in. And once I learned that Errol actually practices this, I, I thought, okay, we have to talk and I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm dying to learn more. So that's going to be a big part of our show today and it, kind of the second half. But to begin with, I'd love for people to just have a chance to get to know you a little bit. And maybe could you just start by saying a little bit about your background? I know now you're a, you're a leadership coach and consultant, but right. take us back. Yeah. How did you become a Navy SEAL and you were in the FBI and now you're a leadership coach? How did you get from all the way back there to here? So yeah, right now I am a leadership consultant. I My company's called Leader 193. Hmm. And, you know, I do... I do a little bit of everything, but basically I I formulate my philosophy and leadership based on my experience, mostly in the SEAL teams. The philosophy comes from the SEAL teams. You know, I did a lot of work in the FBI and then how, you know, I talk about, I use those examples of how the philosophy I I learned in the SEAL teams and was able to transfer it over to the FBI. So it's a pretty straight path for me. You know, I, um, I went to the Naval Academy. I grew up in New York. Hmm. Went to the Naval Academy. I wasn't a SEAL right out of the Naval Academy because there wasn't enough billets. And so the people in front of me were able to pick them. Yes. So I, I had to be a um, what's called a surface warfare officer first, a ship driver. Got it. And, you know, for somebody who wants to be a SEAL, that's kind of your worst nightmare. <laughs> because so yeah, you wanted to be a SEAL all along? You know, you knew you want to be a SEAL? Yeah. You know, it was really weird because... You know, so I was, I graduated high school back in 86. So mm. in the 80s, somewhere, there was nothing. It's obviously, you know, for your, your listeners, the internet was really not going back then. Yeah. And so anything you learned, you had to really research. And I found one article in the library on what, what were those machines where you load the newspaper articles or whatever they yeah. are? Whatever yeah, microfilm. The microfilm, microfiche. right? The microfiche, yeah. right? And I don't even, I can't remember what it was. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, I need to be a part of this. You mm. know, who, who are these guys? And it yeah. was just such a little bit of information. So that kind of got me interested in that whole military type of thing. Yeah. And, I, and I swam growing up and all that stuff. And I lived by the, you know, live by the ocean. So mm. it was kind of in my DNA being in the water. So yeah. So at the Naval Academy, yeah. graduated and being on a ship is, it turned out, you know, like most things you are forced to do that maybe you don't want to, it turned out to be a real blessing. Mm. It was a great leadership experience. I really learned about the Navy and I got lucky to, to get support of my commanding officer when I told him that I wanted to try to transfer over. Now, transferring over to the SEAL teams is difficult, especially as an officer. But I made huh. it and I got into the SEAL. I finished, you know, BUDS training, which, yeah. which is a challenge. You know, that, that could be a whole nother episode. You know, we'll touch a little bit of that when we talk about the meditation and, and Wim Hof because, you know, they try to break you in – in uh, SEAL training, mostly through cold exposure. 
you know, <laughs> and, and yes. it's in the cold water. So you're actually kind of practicing this stuff before you even know what you're doing to survive. Mm. So anyway, mm. so I made it through that. How long was Bud's? Bud's training is six months. Six months. Yeah. And they had, they generally have a 70% attrition rate. Wow. Uh, going through. And leader 193, 193 is the number of my Bud's Hell Week class. Yeah. Um, I ended up graduating with class 194, but, you know, all my leadership stuff, because uh, that class was a winter class. And the winter classes typically don't fare as well as far as, you know, attrition is much higher. Yeah. So, for example, we started, we classed up with 200 people and finished Hell Week, which was which is, I think, at the end of the fourth week with 10. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So. Oh, my God. (laughs) Wow. 10 out of 200 made it through? Yeah. Don't don't quote me on the numbers, but they're they're, they're in the ballpark. Yeah, Yeah, they're in the ballpark. It's been a while. Wow. So that's, you know, and that was mostly due to the cold and the cold water. Yeah. So. Is is that in North Carolina or San Diego? San Diego, yeah. So, you know. People will be like, well, how cold can it really get in San Diego? Believe me, the Pacific Ocean is cold. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, so yeah. Anybody who knows, knows this, the Pacific yep. Ocean is cold. And there is still a winter in California. Yeah. Um, so it still gets cold at night. And so that combined. And it was it just, I remember it rained all week. Uh, it was it was particularly gruesome. Wow. Uh, so, uh, but, you know, again, like we, we can talk about later, yeah. mindset. And all those things, yes. it's, that's all that matters. So I loved being a SEAL. I did two deployments, and unfortunately, I got injured on my second deployment. You know, I was mm. ready to make it a career, and I was, you know, I had my next job set up, and I was still going to be able to operate, and um, I got injured on deployment, training for an operation, and I got medically discharged, and uh-huh. it was a bummer. Yeah. So then I spent the next three or four years in the private sector, which was great. One question there, Errol. So you had two terms of service there you described. How how long was the first one? Yeah. So the, how it works is you, you join a, and it's, it's a little different for officers than in the enlisted folks who we lead. Yeah. But so I went to SEAL team four and what happens is you platoon up, right? You join your platoon. Yeah. And then you are with each other from, you know, you have to do a workup prior to your deployment. So uh-huh. meaning, you know, you have to become proficient as a unit in all the things that you're supposed to be proficient in, you know, jumping and land warfare and diving and surveillance and, you know, small arms and, and yeah. know, all, all those things, right? Explosive. Yeah. So that goes from anywhere. That, that's about a year workup cycle. Wow. The, de- the deployment is about is six months. And then, you know, you you spend maybe another month with your platoon, just, you know, closing everything up and then you join your next platoon. Got it. And then so then I went out to the West Coast to SEAL Team One and, you know, went through the whole thing again. And then inside the deployment is when I got injured. OK. Yeah. All right. So I was with the teams for about six years, I think. Yeah, and I like I said it was it was a bummer because I was gonna stay stay for good. But anyway, so I, I loved the private sector. I was in sales, and then I nine eleven happened, and I got my paperwork together and went to you know some medical folks and got myself medically cleared because the injuries had 
more or less gotten better. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and I got out. They they were really good to me. They said that, look, we'll let you stay in, but your operating days for the new foreseeable future are over because we don't yeah. know how you're going to heal. So I, you know, I just said, oh, it's, I'm no good to you in that capacity. So right. anyway, so the healing started and then I was able to join the FBI and I did most of my time working international terrorism um, out of the New York office. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was awesome. You know, it was, it was just, it was really good. I, I enjoyed it a lot. And but, it was a, must've been obviously post 9-11, a kind of experience. It's a bad pun, but an explosive time or an exciting time. It was, you know, because it was the FBI was changing, is trying to change how it did business. You know, you I, I don't make any bones about it. Right? I left the FBI out of some frustrations in the leadership. And, you know, quite frankly, today's news kind of speaks to that a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I don't I don't necessarily preach about the culture of the FBI and how great it is, because I think it's got some work to do. But they FBI does do a lot of things well. And one of the things they did do well is respond to incidences, right? Yeah. Nobody's better at going to a scene, collecting evidence, and then finding who who did it. Yeah. Um, but after 9-11, we had to change our approach, right? We had to get proactive. Mm. So it was an exciting time. It was a time to learn, a time to experiment with things, and a time to really push the envelope but then still stay obviously within the guidelines of the law. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I loved it. And, but, you know, as things go with big bureaucracies and, you know, again, coming from a SEAL, the SEAL community where we are all about big ideas, thinking out of the box, and then, you know, mm. using those big ideas and, and having a very specific and meticulous discipline planning process. Yeah. It just got lost a little bit somewhere in the FBI and I got frustrated and, you know, look, I just said to myself, I can either sit around and complain, which I'm not going to do. It doesn't look like I can have much impact where I am as far as changing the process. Yeah. Or I could can just go and and start my own thing and get on with it. It's okay. Yeah. That's allowed too. Yeah. and then that's what I did. And um, nice. so I just, you know, leadership is something I love. And and so it just seemed like a natural fit. And so far, so good. You know, you get to work with people who want to work with you, yeah. which is good, who want to get better. So it kind of makes it easy coming out of the gate. So that's the abridged version of my life. <laughs> nice. That's cool. All right. So and then, again, before we go into the Wim Hof stuff, because that yep. the, I, want, I definitely want to jump into that. What would you say in your SEAL training, what kind of disciplines or practices would you say, and and you alluded to this earlier in terms of the cold immersion, but in addition to that, or maybe you can speak to that too when we get into the Wim Hof, but like really you think maybe guided you or prepared you or, you know, made it such that the conditions were ripe and conducive for you to actually embrace a practice like Wim Hof? Yeah. Um, so, you know, as far as, well, do you mean Wim Hof or into the SEAL training or, well, or pre, both? Pre, well, what in your SEAL training Yeah, really kind of, what do you think maybe was a, some aspect of your experience that really made it conducive for you to embrace Wim Hof? Right, yeah. So, um, mindset is the big one, right? Wim yeah. Hof, Wim Hof goes on three premises, breathing, yeah. cold exposure, and mindset. And for the SEAL teams, it's 
and especially going through the training, it's all mindset. And mm. it's just, I don't know how, how else to, to describe it, right? You yeah. cannot, you cannot make it through that if your mind isn't so wholly focused on achieving that goal and really just ignoring all obstacles in the way. And, you know, I, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story and it was just, it just goes to the mindset. Yeah. You know, at the end of the week, the end of hell week, I had yeah. developed shin splints so bad. And what they do is they kind of start parading you around the bell and you're, you're running around with a, a boat on your head the whole time. <laughs> and so you're, you're you lifting kinda, it up, right? As a group, as a group, you've got in a, in a little boat crew, typically about, I don't know, maybe six, six guys. And it's just bouncing on top of your head. That's how you're carrying the boat around on your head. Yeah. Um, so, you know, again, just little things that start to wear on you. Like, yeah. oh, I can't put that boat on my head because, you know, then the top of your head becomes raw. Like guys <laughs> quit because like, I can't put this boat on my head one more time. I quit. Yeah. You know, yeah. So it's crazy. Yeah. So at the end of the week, we were running by. And of course, you know, the most people know that when you quit, yeah, you ring a bell, bing, bing, yeah. bing. And, and so they were kind of walking us by the bell and all the helmets of the people who quit. They leave oh their helmet there. Yeah. God. And just kind of, you knew you were going to finish, right? It was Friday, so nobody's quitting on Friday. Yeah. Um, but I remember my shin splints hurt so bad that I literally felt like my legs were going to snap. Oh, but I, I remember thinking to myself, I, I'll never forget it. Like, well, I don't care because I'm not quitting. Yeah. And if they snap, they snap and that's it. I don't care. And that's, and that's just a, now look, if that happens today, my God, if my hamstring gets tight, I'm in bed for a week. So I, you know, we're all there. We're all there, Errol. We we got a little bit more play in the system here. Right. But yeah, at the time, yeah, that was the mindset. So as you relay that to Wim Hof, you know, we'll talk about you know, all the things you do to prepare to get into an ice bath, all the things that you do when you're in the ice bath, and then, you know, what you have to do when you get out. But in the end, you still have to step into that thing. Yeah. Right. And that's a mindset. Yeah. You know, that's a mindset that says, no, I'm doing it. You so, know? yeah. All right. So like when I hear you talk, that's a really fantastic story. And like what, one thing I get out of it immediately that I can draw an immediate corollary to my own meditation practice and especially like more extended periods of meditation one time you know i did a 48 hour meditation marathon and i i sat for 48 hours and you know we did get up to go to the bathroom right i you know we got up to like get a bite to eat and stuff but fundamentally we were just in in this kind of 48 hour sit well i'm glad you brought that up because we didn't get to that yeah, we spoke on our podcast. So thanks for bringing it up. Because so go ahead. <laughs> well, no, I mean, well, it's like you said, it's like moments like in that one where you're really being tested and you're, you know, you're testing yourself. Mm-hmm. And the longer 10 day silent retreats, what I really encountered and both encountered, but then developed to your point was this capacity for renouncing the movement of my own mind, and particularly the things that haunted me or or were really like not aiding me in in my goal to be free or really it was clear to me that when i would meditate for long periods of time the same currents or carousels of sort of negative thoughts would come up mm-hmm. and 
what would happen over a long period of sitting, like 10 days, was that I could practice with so much effort and consistency that those things would become more and more remote, those threads of thought that were most like on a day-to-day basis, they were just there, kind of almost invisible, but they're kind of woven like sort of rotten tree roots through my mind, mm-hmm. you know, just undermining me. And then on a retreat, those things kind of would come to the surface. And those would be those challenges. Those would be the boats on the head. And that mm-hmm. that that boat on my head only really got obvious at the end of the hell week. And then right. you're tested. And like you said, it was a mindset thing. I had, to, I had to learn how to just basically do the meditative equivalent of just turning my back on it. Yeah, it, and you mentioned you know freedom and whatever that means, and I, that that's really true because it means something different to everybody. Yeah. So just just for my, you know, the Hell Week experience, right? And again, people like to hear about it, and, and it is applicable, you know, because yeah. it's, it's a very unique um, thing, and I get it. So there is a freedom, knowing there was a freedom for me knowing yeah. going into that that I I don't care, I'm not quitting. I just simply don't care what happens. Yes. Um, and that is freeing. Yes. You know, he, I went in there just completely enthusiastic, completely ready to uh, embrace my role as a leader, set an example. Look, and I'm not, you know, who's kidding who? There weren't times when you're like, oh my God, this is the worst. But yeah. there was never a time when I was like, I think I might quit. Because yeah. here's what I can tell you. Anybody who whispered that at one point or another ended up quitting. Mm-hmm. There wasn't one person who said, man, I don't know how long I can handle this. You're just like, I wonder how long he's going to last. And yeah, you, it's look, the death now. It, it, it really is. And it's there's no freedom there, right? Because there's yeah. something that's on that person's mind that's not going to let them do what they want. And it just right. goes to exactly what you said. It's the same thing. It's, it's that mindset. It really is, and and I love that you said I you know it's that I don't care because the equivalent was that our teacher always used to bring up the point where he he would meet with some of these kind of Tibetan med sort of spiritual masters, and they had a term for this which they called CCL, which is couldn't care less, <laughs> right? And, and and it was the same fundamental thing. It was like your relationship to your mind had had to be then reflected in your relationship to the world mm-hmm. and it and it, ha- it and but it started with your relationship to your mind and it had to be couldn't care less whatever's coming up i don't give a you know what i just right. i don't care and that that was the freedom yeah and and then that that would flow through one's actions and i guess you know the analogy would be you know you're not you're not giving up. You're not going to ring that bell because you, you just don't care. Whatever is going to get thrown at you inside or out, you don't care. It, it's And it's it's every part of your life. It doesn't have to yeah. be something so extreme, but that's where we learn about ourselves. You know, I, I always yeah. like to say your values aren't your values until they're tested. Right. And, you know, and if your values are being tested, that means you're in a real spot. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, so, Definitely. Yeah. So, you know, Gosh, let me just, you know, uh, uh, an everyday example. So when I left the FBI, for example, right, obviously I loved the work. So there must have been something that was bothering me enough, right, to make me think about leaving. Yeah. But through that stress, 
me and my wife literally would say to each other, it doesn't matter. Like nothing is going to get between you and me. Yeah. Right? That's just another everyday life example. Of, yeah. I don't care because yes. I know this is important. Yes. So whatever happens, happens. They can take this house away and give us a paper box to live in. Yeah. I don't care. We're going to be good. And that makes it, again, it doesn't mean that there's not hard times. It just means that quitting isn't the option. Yeah. The, you know, and that's a freedom. It you know, we'll, definitely we'll just figure is. out a way. Cause if you're, if, if quitting is not an option, then your mind is free to think of solutions. Yeah. And, and so, yeah. So, it, you know, when you say like, sometimes you say, well, I don't care or I don't care what happens. Me and you know what we're talking about. Your audience knows because just because of what you talked about. Yes. You need that freedom. It doesn't mean you don't care about things. Exactly. <laughs> it just means that you care more about that one thing. Yes. Anything that's surrounding you. So yeah, I, I, I love it. That's awesome. All right. Well, I think that's a, like a, that's a great place for us to just start segueing into the Wim Hof meditation and, and method because you, you mentioned earlier, you said there's kind of three branches to the Wim Hof method. And, right. and I'd love to just begin to explore that. And also, maybe before you start to kind of lay out what the Wim Hof method is, can you just say, you know, how did you end up embracing this yeah. practice? Did you know that research has shown that meditating daily can lower blood pressure decrease cortisol levels, and reduce the risk of death from heart disease? The One Mind Meditation Podcast is sponsored by Health IQ, an insurance company that helps health-conscious people like runners, cyclists, weightlifters, and vegetarians get lower rates on their life insurance. And you can go to healthiq.com forward slash one mind to support the show and see if you qualify. But here's the cool thing. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health-conscious people, including runners, cyclists, strength trainers, vegans, and more. So probably you, I'm guessing. So check it out to see if you qualify. Get your free quote today at healthiq.com forward slash one mind or mention the promo code one mind when you talk to a Health IQ agent. Also, I will link up the Health IQ hot link in our show notes for this episode. So check it out. Now back to our show. You mentioned earlier, you said there's kind of three branches to the Wim Hof method. And, right. and I'd love to just begin to explore that. And also, maybe before you start to kind of lay out what the Wim Hof method is, can you just say, you know, how did you end up embracing this yeah. practice. Yeah, for sure. So full disclosure, right? So I am working towards becoming a certified Wim Hof instructor. I'm mm -hmm. not now. So yeah. if there's somebody out there listening and I get something wrong, it's because I'm still wrong. Okay. But, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So let's do that up front. Got it. Um, so yeah, I was putting together a leadership retreat for a company called the Select Group. And you know, I'm happy to you know, share that with them because they're very open about uh, how they embrace leadership and training. So they put yes. together this amazing retreat and they helped me to, they asked me to participate and help organize it. And one of the things was this guy named Brandon Powell, 
and he was going to do Wim Hof. And they had several other people come in and I was, you know, my job was to contact them. And so the sheet I got was Brandon Powell, Wim Hof. And I'm like, what is this? Yeah. Well, obviously I looked him up and he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner. So he owns a, you know, jiu-jitsu place and he's a certified Wim Hof instructor and he had his video up there. And I was like, you know, as you can imagine with my background, he's in the ice and he's talking about mindset. I'm like, what is this? Yeah. yeah I mean, all of a sudden I got charged. And um, so <laughs> it, was, it was weird, you know, so I called Brandon and, you know, so we set up the logistics for the, you know, for the event. And then I said, what, explain to me what this thing is. Yeah. And I was, I was hooked. I got on the website. I started the, you know, the Wim Hof website. I started his 10 week course, which is a prerequisite to keep moving forward. And that's where I was introduced to it. Right? Yeah. That's where I got hooked. Yeah. And it was just, just by chance because yeah. if they didn't ask me to help coordinate that thing. I, you know, I, I wouldn't know about it to this day. Yeah. I mean, and just, this is for everyone who's listening just for your benefit. When I joined Errol and Zach for their podcast, I had... So unbeknownst to me, I, I didn't really, I had no context. I didn't know that Errol was into this. Only a week earlier had heard an interview with Wim Hof on a podcast and was excited by what I learned because he obviously, Wim Hof himself, it, he's such a incredible advocate for his practice. He's so yeah. passionate. So passionate. It's ridiculous. And you know, he, he's a real living example. He, 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 he's just completely practices what he preaches. And then I, I learned in the interview that Errol was practicing this. And I have to tell you, Errol, ever since, you know, after that interview, I got inspired. I got his app. Yeah. Um, and I started to do it as part of my daily routine. And, you know, I tried it out for, I would say probably like two or three weeks. What I've stayed consistent with is ironically, this is the reverse of what I thought it would be, but I've stayed consistent with the cold showers. Yeah. And I, you know, I've continued to do those and, and, and I don't want to take up too much airtime, but I want to yeah. get back to you talking about this, but you know, I have you to thank for getting, getting me like getting my toes in the water here <laughs> and you know, I'm still going, but anyways, I, I love it and I love what I've experienced so far, but yeah. So please. All right. So I, yeah, I want to, you digress. <laughs> yes, I digress. Thank you. Um, I want to, but you don't because it's, you know, it's not surprising that you latched on to the cold exposure because you've kind of got the breathing and mindset thing down, right? You, you've kind of, not that, look, we can all get better. Right? Yeah. You, that's, that's your thing, right? Meditation, right. breathing is mindset. Yeah. But what we talked about, and I, I can't remember if it was during the podcast or offline, was can you keep that composure? Can you keep that mindset, that breathing, that focus in the cold? Right. You can, in my opinion, and you, now you tell me, cause you're, you know, you are the expert, you know, in, in your field, do you have to take your meditative level to a new level to do it in the cold, stay in the cold? I mean, I, I, I think for me, the answer is clearly yes, but I'd love to hear what you have to say about that. Well, I mean, for one thing, you're doing more extreme versions of the cold immersion than I am. So I, I think if I was doing what you're doing, yes, I would. I would say, I would have to draw on my deepest <laughs> meditative resources. But as you alluded to in the very beginning, 
when talking about the Pacific and like get, there's just always a wall to getting into that cold. You That's know? right. You, you always just have to pass through some barrier yeah. to just first thing in the morning, jump into a cold shower and you just, you know, you have to do it. I mean, I, I, I prefer, I, I'm always happier if I've like gotten a workout done and then I get to take my cold shower and, right. you know, I'll, I'll stay in there longer that way too. But I think I've noticed that there's a physical, like my body's becoming used to it yeah. and now I enjoy it. But I think for me, the mindset part so far is just step has been like renouncing, like just the no, 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 yeah. which, which is still there. Like, yep getting into a, like a, a completely cold shower and yeah. that that to me is the mindset part that I'm you know I I have to go through every time and I want to continue to like evolve in that practice in terms of longer immersion and and whatnot but the short answer is yes and then I've also noticed there's a physiological evolution to the process which mm -hmm. is just that my body is becoming it, it, it's like a much shorter window. Like the sh the shock doesn't it it only lasts for a few seconds now, and then my body's just boom. I'm I'm in. Yeah. Well, and I think and I think you're you're in because again, you're you're adept. I think you're selling yourself short. Obviously, you're just adept at, at getting deep into your mind and and, and focusing. But yeah. For, so for yeah. the mindset, that's the you know that's the part. Like you said, yes. stepping in. I'm I, I enjoy once I'm in the cold. I yeah. still am, am yes. like. When I'm stepping in, I'm still like, oh, yeah. I'm really going to do this? And I have to go back to, no, <laughs> yeah. this is part of the process. This yeah. is part of the process. Just step yes. in. You have to do it. You have to show courage. You know, yeah. All those things I, I, I preach to my clients, every now and then I'm like, eh, I'll just skip this one. I'm like, no, yes. you cannot skip this one. <laughs> yeah. My God, you hypocrite. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. um, so that's the mindset, you know, yeah. Port. I, I really find that. I do better with my meditative state as I'm sitting in the ice bath. Mm. For some reason, I just feel like, and I think it's, you know, so maybe it's just me because I know that you, for me, I can't, I can't be in a bucket full of ice and water for five minutes if my mind is wandering. Right. Okay. Well, okay. All right. One. Okay. So let me just back up a second here. So you you said that, so there's mindset, cold immersion, and breathing. Yes. And we you and I just touched on mindset here. Yep. And now you're now can you set the scene for everyone a little bit about like cold immersion? Yeah. Like what what is that? And like both like philosophically and then as you were beginning to describe it. Yeah. Pra practically. Yeah. So it it's got several elements. Wim Hof, what he's done is he's turned the medical profession on its head and and now they they are a willing participant in it yeah by and large they initially yeah. were very they you know they looked at him like a, a freak of nature so physiologically what happens when you expose yourself to cold is you're strengthening you know you, the veins and all the things in your body that allows your blood to flow right mm. and if if you're able to do that then your heart is working less hard and so on and so forth. And on it goes. Yeah. So this this whole thing, as we have evolved as human beings, we've taken away part of that um, aspect of our being, the, the exposure to cold, the exposure to elements 
that we were kind of raised on. Yes. And, you know, our body needs those things, right? Our body needs right. to generate that adrenaline, okay? And that adrenaline, you know, gets the blood flowing and, and, and your body, you know, it, your body does all the things it needs to do to fight off the cold, for example. Well, yeah. You know, now we live in beautiful houses. We have nice coats. So the body needs to find something to attack. And it, generally what's happening now is it attacks itself. Yeah. And what Wim Hof has exposed through this cold exposure is that we have, in a sense, done this to ourselves. These autoimmune diseases that we think are impossible to cure. Yeah. That's not true. It, because if we start to do these things for ourselves, for example, cold exposure, our body will go back to its natural state and attacking the things it's supposed to attack, not the things it's not supposed to attack. So right. in, in some of his books, for example, he has he has people with Parkinson's who come to him. Yeah. Okay. Now, he's not claiming that he can cure Parkinson's, but he's had several people come to him where the effects of their Parkinson's has been reversed a little bit and the medication that these people take to deal with it has been cut by like 80% mm. all through mindset, breathing, cold exposure. Yes. So physiologically, that's what the cold exposure is doing for you. Yes. You know, that's a, that was a really great description. And, and one element that I remember him also talking about was just the anti-inflammatory effect of cold immersion. Yep. And that we have, because of all everything you said, we have all this sort of inflammation in our body, which yep. is a, partly an overactive immune system or something that that immuno response attacking itself or what, whatever. But he's, he's saying a lot of what this cold immersion does, it just reduces inflammation kind of universally in your body. Yeah, and I think we, we know that now as a society, yeah. right? But this is, you know, th again, he just takes it all to the next level. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so for example, I got really, we had a real cold spell here um, in January Yeah, for, for two weeks. You know, we yeah. got a bunch of snow, it was in single digits. Are you in New York? I'm in New Jersey, yeah. New Jersey, I'm in right. New Jersey. And it just was another time to get out so like I would, I went and did meditation in the middle of a blizzard. Oh man. Just in my shorts and you know, I've got it on video, you know, just to, you know, because I was like, That's my awesome. wife, you've got it, you know, but it was fine. Yeah. You know, it was fine. I was out there for 15 or 20 minutes and just straight meditation sitting there in the, you know, in, in, in you know, crisscross applesauce and, yeah. um, <laughs> and it, it, it was great stuff. So that's more of a mindset thing, but yeah. the physiological benefits that he talks about, you know, he's able to, with his mindset in the cold, actually raise his body temperature. That's so just amazing. It's it's amazing. And, and he has, and I love talking about this because it's all science-based now. And this is what he was, you know, he was just after the medical community. Like, yeah. I could do these things and I can train people to do these things and yes. you need to study me. Because yeah. I'm telling you, I can control my autoimmune system. And that goes into the next part, the breathing. Yes. Right? So he's claiming he can control his autoimmune system. Well, you know, by definition, it's an autoimmune system. You don't control it. 
Works right. automatically, right? Right. So what they did was with his breathing technique, which is very simple. It's just deep breathing, let a little out. Deep breathing, let, you know. He talks about filling your body to an alkaline state, and you know, not a um, um, toxic state. Yeah. And so on and so forth. But what he said, so they injected him with an endo endotoxin, right? Simulate mm. a disease. Yeah. And he fought it off. Uh, so literally, he was injected with a virus. Yeah. And through just breathing, he got a little bit of a headache. And you don't fake it because the, the symptoms are, you know, like imagine your worst flu. Yeah. Right? So he couldn't just lie and say, no, I feel great. Yeah. Uh, so they just called him. They said, you're a freak of nature. And, and he said, no, I can train people to do this. Give me a couple weeks. And this is just the breathing. Yeah. Um, so he said, all right. They said, you know, what's the control group? So I think it was 20 people, maybe 10 or 20 people. Yeah. He trained them for a couple weeks. The control group, everybody got in injected. The control group who didn't do the breathing or the training all got sick, violently sick. Wim Hof's group w was fine. Oh, and, that's amazing. And that's when the medical profession was like, we may, we may have a problem here. Yeah, we, <laughs> okay. exactly. Houston, we do have a Houston, problem. Something is wrong with yeah. search. So that's the final stage of it, just the, the breathing. Um, so I, I don't know how much you've looked into it, but it's a little bit different than just a, a nice meditative breathing. You know, yeah. it's, it's more aggressive. Have you, have Definitely. you looked into what he's doing on that? Yeah. Breathing? Yeah. Yep. I what did. do you think? I, I mean, like I, that's, that's been the harder part for me to maintain, to be honest. And, but it's always fruitful when I do it. I always, I, I get a hot, I get, I feel wonderful. Yeah. I feel really fantastic. And, you know, I think the longest I've done is like six or seven rounds of the breathing. Usually it's more like three rounds. Yeah. And, six, that's and, a lot. Six or seven is a lot. And, and it, and it, and it felt like a lot, but I've felt, <laughs> amazing all day i felt i felt high and yeah. um i definitely felt the effects of that oxygenation of of my organs and my body and in my brain i just felt a levity through the day and how do you compare it to your breathing when you're just doing your meditation i mean it's it's completely different or are you totally able to kind different. of combine it or what's what are your thoughts on that total yeah my experience is just completely different for for my the meditation approach and practice that is native for me is just, it, I don't, we don't even think about the breath. I just go into just natural breathing. Right. And I'm not focusing on my breathing. So with the Wim Hof breathing, it's that, that I almost think of, you know, it's as an exercise because you're, you know, you're really focusing on this deep yeah. breathing and then the and then the and then the retention yep and it's not easy no it's not no it's <laughs> not it is not easy you think it's going to be easy cuz you're just doing like slightly deeper breathing yeah. but but in the end there's a lot more to it it's weird to in, until you actually go through it and and realize like wow why is why am i having so much trouble getting a rhythm on this breathing and yes. am i doing it enough and oh my god am i getting Maybe could I be getting more? And I just found my mind wandering so much yes. Yes. Know, when I was started. But that's how I got. So, I, you know, we had talked about it. So for me, I had tried to, I didn't know enough about meditation. I knew it was important, yeah. but I just never knew enough about it to 
take it seriously. And then yoga, I always knew I wanted to do yoga, but I just, I never got the fire. Right. And, and what happened was when I discovered Wim Hof, all of a sudden now just going through that process, now my morning routine, and I, it's funny, I was looking at it this morning. It's a very, I do my, I, I go through stretching. And what yeah. the stretching ultimately turns out to be and with some breathing is I incorporate yoga poses and I'm like, hey, wait, I'm doing yoga yeah. right now. Right? Yeah. So all of a sudden I found my my journey to yoga. Nice. It was it was it was very, you know, roundabout. And then same with meditation. You know, the I enjoyed the breathing so much and would, you know, find that uh, the chakras and the third eye and all that. And then so when I'm done with my Wim Hof breathing, you know, I do 10 minutes of, of meditation just to bring it down, right? Because it, it yeah. is work yeah. doing that breathing. So I found my path. I got my destination, but not from the path that I ever thought it would be. And yeah. it's, I'm really happy with it. So I guess the, the moral That's of that awesome. story is if you, like for me, again, meditation and yoga, I knew were important. I couldn't get there. Yeah. I just kept searching for a way. Yeah. And then one day there I was, and it's, it's kind of revolutionized my life. That's amazing, man. So, all right. So we've covered the mindset, we've covered breathing and we've covered cold immersion. And, and yeah. maybe can you just say a little bit in specific for everyone listening about the, what is the, the breathing technique? Yeah. So he, you know, Wim, Wim Hof recommends doing 30 breaths, right? That would be a set. Yeah, uh, and it's essentially breathing in as deeply as you can, right? In through your mouth, nose, whatever it is. Wim Hof says he doesn't care. Yeah. Just get it in, okay? Yeah. And again, look, there's studies about what breathing through your nose does for your brain, all that. Right? He's he he probably knows all that. His point is, breathe in deep as hard as you can. Yeah, super deep. Hold it for just a just a moment, and then let it out. And when we say let it out. It's a natural release of it. It's not a, right? right. And it's right. not just a little bit. It's just a, yes, right? That's it. And then you do that 30 times. And at the end of that 30 times, at your last exhale, hold your breath, hold it, yeah. okay? I'm not exactly sure what the purpose of that is. I think it's more of a, and I'm still learning, but I think what it is, is Wim Hof's point is we underestimate the amount of oxygen in our body and what, yeah. we've, what we're capable of. And I think his point is, let release your air and you can still hold your breath for three minutes. Yeah. And you can. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's more physiological stuff to it, but anyway, I kind of use that breath hold. I find that when I'm super relaxed and I'm in that good state, I can hold my breath for a really long time. Mm. And I know I'm super stressed or rushing it when I'm like, you know, a minute in, I'm like dying. Yeah, <laughs> you know, totally. You know, like, okay, I need to stay here and, and yeah. because I'm, I'm stressed. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's the breathing technique. Um, you know, again, generally three rounds of that, you know, yeah. two, three rounds, four rounds. You Like seven rounds is a lot when you said that, you did and, that. And I only did that in the beginning. Like that was, I was just trying it all out. Right. And, and, but yeah, so like, I don't think it's bad. I just, yeah. it's, it's, it's an effort. So yeah, you know, every morning I'll do three to four rounds. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's, that's the breathing technique. And nice. 
again, all the physiological benefits, like the mindset benefits are great. The meditative benefits are great. Um, and we know what that does for the brain and the psyche. Yes. Yeah. But now we're learning really what it does to your insides, you know, yeah. to your body. It's, yeah. it's really great stuff. A couple of things. One, obviously, like it's so interesting because, of course, yogis have been extolling the virtues and the power of the breath yep. for millennia. Yep. You, you know, that for what, whether it's India or China, you know, the, these ain't the Taoist traditions, the Taoist yogis, and then the Indian yogis, they were all talking about this and they were just saying look follow the breath it's the pathway to god it's the pathway to freedom it's the pathway to it you know it's the it's the fountain of youth they were yep. all talking about this and and it's interesting like i like how wim hof is coming at it from a scientific perspective and he's he's really trying to get people on board with just of course now we have more advanced measuring instruments scientifically so we can actually look at this stuff and concretize it but in a lot of ways it's not a new thing right for humanity this is this has been around forever but i think how he's engaged the uh the imagination of the scientific community and their the fact that he's got lots of controlled experiments already in the books is significant right and then he's also starting a movement and he's really putting these as you talked about, these three limbs of the Wim Hof method together and providing a, you know, I guess you, you could really say a path for for like self, self-development, self-optimization and, and sort of deep wellness. Yeah, he, he did. I don't know if he did it purposely or not because he's a spiritual guy, right? So yeah. he gets, he, you know, I think he started with the spirituality of it. Yes. And I don't know if he consciously said this movement will only get serious if science, if the scientists embrace it. Otherwise, we're just a bunch of, you know, flowered shirt, you know, yeah. people walking around holding hands or whatever, you know, whatever the stereotype is. Yeah. So for him to put science to it and show everybody this has benefits, it just it increases the movement exponentially. Yes. Right. It's all, who cares why people get into it? Yeah. If it's for the science, because in the end, you're all going to get, we're all going to get the same benefits. The people who get into it for the science and the physiological effects, they're going to see the spiritual effects quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's good. It yeah. does, you know, in my mind, who cares how you get there totally. as long as you get there. So, you know, when I teach, you know, I, I, I speak anecdotally a lot because, you know, there's a, there's a place for it. But if that's all I'm doing, it just becomes, it becomes boring. So I try to find as much science in what I talk about, but what's, yeah. where is there science and leadership? There's a lot, but totally. this is, you know, this is a place, right? This yeah. is a place where I can say to leaders, you know, here's the Wim Hof method and let's talk about the mindset, you know, for starters. Yes. And then, you know, what that means, but more importantly, let's talk about the meditative aspect of the breathing finding that those chakras, finding that third eye. Yeah. And then how that centers you when you're in a moment of stress as a leader, you can take 10 seconds to center yourself. Okay. And if you do that, you won't make them, you will not make an emotional decision under stress because an emotional decision under stress as a leader, I promise you will be a bad decision. Mm. 
And that's, well, Errol, that's, you know, we don't all have that in us. Yes, we do. Here's the science. Yeah. Right. So if, if breathing can actually now control your autoimmune system, are you trying to tell me that you can't control that little burst of anger that's coming? Yeah. That's, that's a lie because science yeah. tells us we can do that. And so it's, you know, for the skeptic, science brings it all in. So Wim, Wim Hof, I, I, you know, look, for me, I don't know. He is creating a movement and it just brings life to thing the, the places that you've always known about, right? Sure. Morgan Dix has always known that meditation and breathing were important and were life-changing. But Errol Dobler doesn't get on Morgan Dix's bandwagon unless I discover Wim Hof yeah. and kind of see some of the science. I'm like, all right, let me try this one. Yeah. And now I'm like, oh, wait a second. Now I get it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right. Yes. So, well, and I, I'm curious, like, so can you speak to Errol how you've seen, like, so you do your morning routine, mm -hmm. then how, as your day progresses, how do you feel the effects? How does it, you know, where are you seeing the benefits of the practice in your day? Yeah. So it, and that comes mostly from feedback from my wife too. Yeah. I, I think I knew where they were, but you know, when, when you start a new business and again, you know, this, yeah, there's a stress that you never really understand. Yeah. If you've never done it, starting your own business is just the, the, the stress sometimes I would feel, I was like, I can't even, it's literally like a thousand tons on my shoulders, <laughs> yes. uh, you know? So, so it was fortuitous that I discovered this early on and, you know, look, we're very big in, in our house about being in the moment and making sure that we, when we're with our kids and we're with our, ch when we are with each other, we're with each other. Yeah. Okay. Not somewhere else. And if we're going to be somewhere else, we're going to tell people, look, I need some time. To, to do this work. That's fine. So I'm going to leave or, hey, I'm going to do it while I'm here, but I can't be bothered. Whatever it is, that's okay. And so this is when I started to really get into this, you know, it was a, look, I need, I'm super stressed right now, but my family's here. My kids are here. I need to get in the moment. And then I would just go to literally what I preach. Take 10 seconds. It doesn't have to be something dramatic. Take a couple of deep breaths, get yourself centered, be here. What's yeah. more important? And then, you know, make a decision. If if you can't be here because you need to get something done and you just can't get it out of your head, then go do that thing. Okay. But don't yeah. don't half-ass both of them. Yeah. Okay. And that's where it's that's where it's helped me. The mm. the just having that that kind of knowledge, that inner peace, and then the the method. Yeah. That deep breath method to get myself centered, find a focus very quickly and then be where I want to be. And that's that's been the most important thing. And then that and then look, the benefits emanate exponentially from that. It's it's like yes. throw, throwing a boulder into the water and looking at the ripple effects. Yeah. Once you do that, all of a sudden your kids are happier. And when they're happier, they tend to listen a little more. Mm -hmm. And if they're happy and they're listening more, my wife is happy. And she's, you know what <laughs> I mean? She's more relaxed. And if she's, yeah. it just, it goes on and on and on. All yeah. good. Nothing bad. And then, so when that big stress comes, you know, look, you've got a place to go. It doesn't go away, but it, it gets minimized. Yeah. You know, you 
get a focus. You say, look, this stress is going to be here. I can either deal with this stress starting from chaos in my mind, or I can deal with it from a place of calm starting, and then it will become unraveled. I'll become unraveled much later in the process and not as unraveled. Mm. And that's a good place to be. And that's where Mm. I've really seen practically the benefits of this. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's, it's been a great journey. And look, if we've got to get you, we've got to get you in the ice bath, Morgan. That's, (laughs) I know that's it. Totally. (laughs) Where do you get like, so for example, do you have, so do you just use your tub in your home and then do you go out and like buy bags of ice and you put them in there? Yeah. So I got, um, so unfortunately we can't use the tub in my home anymore because it leaks because it leaks through the ceiling it leaks through the ceiling (laughs) that happened here once too yeah that's that's a whole other thing so but that's what we were doing but yeah so i just bought i went out and got a big like you know like went to amazon or something just got a big trough yeah big heavy plastic bucket that i can fit in and we fill it up with water and look the winter time is great you just leave it filled and it freezes, you, you break the ice and you step in, oh. um, you know, summertime, you know, you, you can't do that because you'll have a, some disgusting bacteria filled water. Yeah. So you just fill it up with the hose. You throw, you know, I usually do three or four bags of ice. Yeah. And there it is. You know, it, again, you gotta, gotta be a little quicker in the summertime, but yeah, the ice melts, but that's it. Simple as that. And do you always, that. do you always do it in the morning? You know what? I, I don't, I've, um, and this is, you know, I'll just, I'll be vulnerable and honest, you know, even me who loves it. And once I get in the cold, I typically like to do it in the morning and I'm like, I just don't have it in me right now. I'm going to do it later. (laughs) So I got to kind of psych myself up every time I do that. I say to myself, why can't I just do this first thing in the morning? This is how I feel coming out of it. Yeah. It's because it's a challenge. <laughs> it is a challenge, man. <laughs> doing it first thing in the morning is like it's a diff. It's just different than doing it later in the day. It is there? There is something ca- I think categorically. Your mind is in a in a it's a it's in a lower state of consciousness when you wake up. There's there's a lot more inertia in the body at that and the mind at that time of day. I would love to know a little bit more about it. You know, it's funny for all my years doing these things and being, you know, a military guy and, you know, and and I get up early now only because I need to find hours in the day when my kids are sleeping. That's the only reason. So I wake up at four 30, not because I love it. I hate it. Yeah. And I am, I would prefer, I think my body says, no, 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 sleep till nine, 10 (laughs) o'clock and stay up till two in the morning. I think I would enjoy that. Anyway, I don't know where I went there. I just was, but, it's just I would like to know yeah. why it's so much harder when we wake up than you know in the yeah. afternoon. I would like to know that. Me too. <laughs> I, I mean, coffee is I think the closest antidote that humanity has developed to that particular situation. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. And and who knows? Maybe maybe that's just it. Maybe it's our dependence on coffee now. Yeah. But whatever it is, it's real. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I relate. I relate a hundred percent. That's so interesting. When you talk with, and I, we're getting everyone, we're getting to the uh, conclusion of the interview here. But when you, how, how would you say then, in your work now as a leadership consultant, 
and you, you know you've you've woven it into the uh, the interview in a couple ways already. But how would you say that it's influenced your work as a as a leadership consultant? Obviously, what what you've spoken to already is is mindset. But can you yeah. just speak to that a little bit more? Yeah, yeah. And thanks for that question because it's it really is important because yeah. it's not you know I don't I, I've got plenty of material right that I can yeah. draw from to to teach about leadership. This has bought this has brought that to a new level and mm. because it's so practical. So decision making, yeah. okay. Decision-making is so hard for people. You know, writing a plan is hard enough, but then actually making the decision and executing it, right? Yeah. So if I bring somebody through the Wim Hof method and we go through the cold exposure, and I, I, I mentioned it earlier, earlier, but I'll just, I'll say it again. There comes a point where you have to decide to get into that, that cold shower or that ice bath. Yeah, that, that is a moment of courage. That is yeah. a moment of determination. And then I say, what is the difference between that and this decision you're trying to make for your company? Yeah, there's no dis- there's no difference. Mm. You have to show the courage to get into this ice bath. You have to show the courage to execute that decision. And for some reason, you know, for me, I got it. Right. I was like, that, I think that's a great analogy. Yeah, but it's not a great analogy until you try it on somebody. And they res- and you have to see how they respond. Yeah. And to a person, they said, "No, you're right. It is the same thing." And I'm just not being. I'm being a coward. And look, I don't call people cowards, but it's a when it's a when it's a test of courage. Yeah. You are either being courageous or you're not being courageous. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes. The definition of not being courageous is being cowardly. Yeah. And but people come to that on their own. So that's one of the big things as it relates to the Wim Hof method that. You can practically show. The other thing, again, like I talked about, is the quickly getting centered, um, starting a stressful situation from a place of, of, of zero, so to speak. Yeah. And how quickly you can do that if you believe in it, you know? Yes. And, and so then, okay, well, why, what am I supposed to do? Meditate at my desk? You know, no, you don't have to make a big scene out of it, you know, leader, whoever I'm talking to, but you need to be able to understand that emotion, that fear, right? Yeah. Because that because it's that same adrenaline that you're getting right before you step into that cold shower that or that ice bath, right? It's the same adrenaline. Yeah. That's that's charging your body. Yeah. So you need to be able to recognize that and then take the appropriate action, make that think, right? I have a feeling, I have an emotion. And then most of us just go to action. Right. What we're trying to say is you have to have that period of thought. Let it be five seconds and let that period of thought be a huge deep breath and just getting centered very quickly. People don't even notice when you're doing it. It gives you that opportunity to make a sound decision, to rethink Mm. acting on that emotion. And that's, look, that's, that's. That's meditation. That's Wim Hof method. Totally. Um, and so Mindfulness. That, yeah. Yeah. And that's that's where I use these types of things to show leadership points, right? Because yeah. that's what they are. And and I imagine so that both of those examples are very powerful and, and I quickly just want to follow up on each one of them. But like so with the the one you just mentioned, 
it, it seems to me that there would be a very direct corollary to your SEAL training because I think so often I think about this is just from what I've read and what I've seen on the show. So I'm speaking from way, way out of your context, but this is my impression. Please mm -hmm. correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. But it seems like so much of the training is you all are drilling, drilling, drilling. Like how, like if you're going to enter into a potentially hostile building, you know, the way you guys enter into a room, every right. element of that is broken down into its constituent parts and practiced like a thousand times. So right. you know when you go in, you have with your with your weapon if it's raised you already know all the angles that you have to cover and you know the ones that the guy behind you has covered yep. and and so these are very these are very small mechanical physical dimensions of your experience but you practice them again mm -hmm. and again and again because and here's the point where I, it made me think about what you were describing one microsecond of a lapse of in, intention in that is life and death. Yeah. And that's why my understanding is you guys drill the way you do and you drill like no uh, no one else does is because it's always around life or death. So then that gives you, I think, a particularly unique perspective on those flashpoints, those moments of decision that you're talking about where it's so meaningful if you just pause and you take a breath and you make that decision from a common centered place versus an emotional place. Cause yep. it, you know, you, I think, again, I'm going to repeat myself. You have a unique perspective on what those little moments, how they can, as you, the metaphor you used earlier, they can ripple out yep. and have ultimately life or death consequences in, in the context of the SEALs, but in a leadership context, they could suddenly affect hundreds if not thousands of people the trajectory of your company mm -hmm. you know etc so yeah i is that would you say that's accurate it, it's it's 100 percent accurate there's a couple of things to what you said so the things i i preach for leadership you know are probably pretty common you know among leadership consultants you yeah. know I, I would imagine right because the, the tenets of leadership have been fairly well established i you know i like to think what i bring to the table is that perspective of here's why these things are so important here's yeah. you know if if they're good enough for the battlefield they're good enough for your boardroom you know i i use the example that i like to say you know combat is the ultimate expression of consequence so yeah. again those those areas those flashes of not being present and then making a decision you are now in an area where the worst consequence of that decision will likely be realized. Yeah. Um, whether it's you, something bad happening to you, or you, even worse, doing something bad to somebody else who you yeah. shouldn't have, okay? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so, yes, the kind of a side note to everything is the drilling, the drilling. You know, we have people say, how do SEALs do these things? How do you guys, are you just able to, to do all these amazing things? And then, you know, on and on. And they get kind of disappointed at the answer. Because the answer is, we have a plan. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's, yeah. that's how. Yeah. You know, we have big ideas, right? I always like to say, you know, the SEALs are the ones that invented jumping out of the airplane in the middle of the night into the middle of the ocean with all your gear and then swimming in five miles under the nose of the enemy that's waiting for you and dominating. That's big thinking. 
Yeah. But inside of that is a meticulous, disciplined planning process. Yeah. And what that does is it allows you to eliminate the things you have to think about. Yeah. Okay. And so when you can eliminate those things, you're more prepared for the unexpected, Mm. right? For the super stressful moments. And then for those moments, you you don't have to think about, oh my God, should I do this, 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 or this? You Because you already know you've been through those options in your yeah. head. Yeah. Then you get to be mindful. Mm. Then you get to say, okay. And, and I, I've been in several situations where, because um, in the FBI, I was on the FBI SWAT team and mm. you know, we did, you know, we did a lot of operations and I've been in several situations where at the end, somebody came up to me and said, hey, good job on not taking that shot. Because mm. you, I would have been justified You're on right. several occasions shooting somebody. And well, how can you be justified if it wasn't the right thing? Because there's a lot that goes into justifying a situation. Here's where we were going. Here's what we knew was going to be there. Here are the typical actions of somebody who you know is looking to do you harm. It, it goes on and on, right? So if I yeah. can articulate all of those things, generally speaking, people go, yeah, that, that does make sense. Yeah. But that's not good enough, right? That's not good enough because you want to make the right decision. Mm. And so there's been several situations where I've been in there. And because our planning has been so good, because our training has been so good, I was able to focus on something and say, whoa, this is a real issue right here. Let me take a step back in my mind in in the midst of this chaos. Take a quick breath. Is there something else I can do right now besides yeah. the ultimate expression of consequence? And in this case, pulling a trigger. Yeah. And the answer every time was yes, there is. And it worked out. Wow. But you don't get that unless you have that mindfulness, right? Unless you are consciously aware of the fact that there is a space in between emotion and action. And you need to find that space. Yeah. And that comes that comes through meditative practice. Yes. Right? It comes through all of that. So I hope that answers a little bit of that question. Oh, definitely. Definitely. It, thank you. And then the last thing was that when you were describing the parallel between, you know, that it, it's a moment of courage walking into that, like jumping into that cold plunge. Yep. It's the same choice that you need to make, it, that decision you need to make when it, for your company and that, you know, you described it, it's the, it, it's, like in ultimate terms you could say it's a lack of courage and i like that you draw that parallel because there's a certain thing where like no more information is gonna give you what you need to make the decision that's right it's just that there's basically how i heard you say it is like another or another way of saying it is you're it's a practice of strengthening your will just the will Mm -hmm. and you're exercising that will in that moment from a from a very deep place, it's in you know you've internalized and integrated the information. You don't need it anymore. Mm-hmm. So and I, I I like the example of the cold jumping into the cold shower because that's <laughs> you've already made the commitment a long time ago. So it's always only will you know it's yep. only always going through that wall. Yep. And because often I mean I imagine these are some of these situations these leaders get into in the company. They they know everything they need to know. And probably just on some level, they just don't want, don't want to deal with it, or you know, it's just the implications are are large, and you know, you have to you have to bear that. But you probably know what the right 
decision is anyways. I, I think most people do know what the right decision is and they're hard, to, you know, and look, that's what makes leadership, right? They're hard decisions. That you yeah. Make. And again, is it a hard decision whether to jump into the, to the cold shower, the ice bath or not? Well, kind of, because <laughs> it's not something that you want to do. Yeah. Right. So exactly. there's, there, we are definitely in the same ballpark. Yeah. So, you know, hard decisions, right? It might be a decision that if it goes bad, there's financial implications. Okay. But you look, you've got to trust your plan. You've got to trust your process that you went through, right? If you're making that decision, if you're like, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to have courage and make a decision, a really important decision based on no facts, based on no plan, based on anything. That's not courage. That's stupidity. Right. Okay. That there's a difference. Yeah. Um, people like to, you know, say, I, I made a bold decision and I'll say, well, and I don't use this language, you know, but in my mind, like, no, you made a stupid decision. Yeah. I, I don't know what language I use for my clients to, you know, you didn't make a smart, just because you made a decision doesn't mean you're decisive because your decision wasn't based on anything other than expediency. Right. That's not good decision making. That's not right. courageous decision making. Right. Um, that's lazy decision making. Yeah. So, but a lot of times they're, they're also kind of the, the moral decisions we make, right? The people mm. in the office who are cancers, right? We've all seen them. Right. They, they gossip, they belittle other people's work. And it really does take courage on a leader's part to squash that. Yeah. Because it's hard to squash because that's such a powerful force. Those people, and thankfully they're not everywhere, but they're, they're prevalent enough. You know, 10 good people can be sidetracked by one really bad one. Right. In an office environment, and it's incumbent upon the leader to make that very hard decision about how to handle it. That's a cra cra uh, courageous decision. Mm -hmm. I've seen so many leaders just try to ignore it and laugh it off and hope it goes away, knowing what it's doing to the office environment. So that's another example of a courageous decision that we need to make. And you know, just to say, look, this. This might have some blowback. This might be difficult. This might yeah. get worse before it gets better. But I'm going to make the decision and do it. So, yeah. Yeah. Errol, thank you so much, man. This this has been great. I really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Well, it's it's been my pleasure. And this was, you know, I had just as much fun doing this one as, as we, when we had you on. And, uh, you know, I hope we can do it again because yeah. obviously, obviously we both believe in the topic. Totally. So, um, but and, th thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. And thank you. Where So I, for people who want to follow up, they want to learn more about your work and potentially Wim Hof's med meditation method, et cetera. Yep. How, what, where can I send them? What, where, give us some, uh, some ways for people to contact you. Or yes. Be in touch. So, you know, I'm obviously on Twitter and Instagram and, and all that stuff, but if you just go to my website, leader193.com, you know, all the connections to find me and, you know, my blog and my podcast and, you know, about my business are, are all there. And then the places to follow me on Twitter and Facebook are there as well. Great. And, and then, you know, Wim Hof, look, He's everywhere now, but, um, you know, it's W I M Wim H O F Hoff and just go ahead and Google him. You know, he's, I, uh, I think he Wim Hoff method. It might be the website. I can't remember, but here's one thing I can recommend. If you get to his website, he's got his 10 week training process. Okay. It's like $80. It's nothing. 
And it's, yeah. it, it incrementally walks you through this process, right? He doesn't dump you in the ice bath the first day. <laughs> right. So if somebody's, you know, if you're, if you're out there like, okay, give me some guidance on this thing, go there, buy the, buy the program and, and get started that way. Cause, um, you know, if you were like me and new meditation and yoga were right, but you're just having trouble getting there, maybe this is the avenue for you. Like it was for me. Nice. And I will go ahead. I'm going to link all that up in the show notes for this episode, your website and, and your social accounts, then also some of that information on Wim Hof and, and also uh, some additional resources that I think one, one good one is that Vice documentary. I watched that like after we, after we, uh, did the interview and that it's, that it's a good one yeah it got me jazzed and you, you, <laughs> you, 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 you get a feeling for him and just like how sort of tenacious a character he is and and the you know the the man behind the method as it were yeah yep, um, sure but great so awesome errol thank you thank you again and uh, everyone please please do follow up and and uh check out Check out all that information that we, we put in the show notes. I encourage you to be in touch with Errol if, if this fires you up and, and, and gets you interested. And uh, Errol, f- thank you again. Well, and I have to say before we close, the folks that I talked to you about who I was coaching, 20, 25 or so young folks who all needed a place to go for meditation, and I sent them to your site, um, probably 90% of them got back to me. Wow. Thank you for sending us there. So I don't know what, you know, I don't know if there's been a spike in your sales or, or your website, but I, some of it came from them. They were, they were jazz. So That's thank awesome, you for man. that. Yeah. I, I appreciate it, man. Uh, all right. Thank you so much, man. <laughs> all right, take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Errol Dobler. If you want to follow up with Errol directly, head on over to his website at leader193.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, why don't you consider leaving us a rating and a review on iTunes? That is by far the best way to help more people discover our show. And also, the One Mind Meditation Podcast is part of the Podcastica Network. Podcastica has an amazing array of shows, and you can check those out over at podcastica.com. And like usual, we're going to end with a quote. And this one from the Rigpa Glimpse of the Day. And it goes, Just as a writer learns the spontaneous freedom of expression only after years of often grueling study, and just as the simple grace of a dancer is achieved only with enormous patient effort, So, when you begin to understand where meditation will lead you, you will approach it as the greatest endeavor of your life. One that demands of you the deepest perseverance, enthusiasm, intelligence, and discipline.